Section 15 of A Lear of the Steps, etc., by Ivan Turgenev. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Faust, fifth letter. From the same to the same. M. Village, July 26, 1850. It's a long time since I wrote to you, dear Semyon Nikolaitch, more than a month, I think. I had enough to write about, but I was overcome by laziness. To tell the truth, I have hardly thought of you all this time. But from your last letter to me, I gather that you are drawing conclusions in regard to me, which are unjust, that is to say, not altogether just. You imagine I have fallen in love with Vera. I feel it awkward somehow to call her Vera Nikolaevna. You are wrong. Of course I see her often, I like her extremely. Indeed, who wouldn't like her? I should like to see you in my place. She's an exquisite creature. Rapid intuition, together with the inexperience of a child, clear common sense, and an innate feeling for beauty, a continual striving towards the true and the lofty and a comprehension of everything, even of the vicious, even of the ridiculous, a soft womanly charm brooding over all this like an angel's white wings. But what's the use of words? We have read a great deal, we have talked a great deal together during this month. Reading with her is a delight such as I have never experienced before. You seem to be discovering new worlds. She never goes into ecstasies over anything. Anything boisterous is distasteful to her. She is softly radiant all over when she likes anything, and her face wears such a noble and good, yes, good, expression. From her earliest childhood Vera has not known what deceit was. She is accustomed to truth, it is the breath of her being, and so in poetry too only what is true strikes her as natural. At once, without effort or difficulty, she recognizes it as a familiar face, a great privilege and happiness. One must give her mother credit for it. How many times have I thought, as I watched Vera, yes, Goethe was right, the good, even in their obscure striving, feel always where the true path lies. There is only one thing annoying. Her husband is always about the place. Please don't laugh a senseless guffaw, don't sully our pure friendship even in thought. He is about as capable of understanding poetry as I am of playing the flute, but he does not like to lag behind his wife. He wants to improve himself, too. Sometimes she puts me out of patience herself. All of a sudden a mood comes over her. She won't read or talk, she works at her embroidery frame, busies herself with Natasha or with the housekeeper, runs off all at once into the kitchen, or simply sits with her hands folded, looking out of the window, or sets to playing fools with the nurse. I have noticed at these times it doesn't do to bother her. It's better to bide one's time till she comes up, begins to talk, or takes up a book. She has a great deal of independence, and I am very glad of it. In the days of our youth, do you remember, young girls would sometimes repeat one's own words to one, as they so well knew how, and one would be in ecstasies over the echo, and possibly quite impressed by it, till one realized what it meant. But this woman's, not so. She thinks for herself. She takes nothing on trust, there's no overawing her with authority. She won't begin arguing, but she won't give in either. 
we have discussed faust more than once but strange to say gretchen she never speaks of herself she only listens to what i say of her mephistopheles terrifies her not as the devil but as something which may exist in every man these are her own words i began trying to convince her that this something is what we call reflection but she does not understand the word reflection in its german sense she only knows the french reflexion and is accustomed to regarding it as useful our relations are marvellous from a certain point of view i can say that i have a great influence over her and am as it were educating her but she too though she is unaware of it herself is changing me for the better in many ways it's only lately for instance thanks to her that i have discovered what an immense amount of conventional rhetorical stuff there is in many fine and celebrated poetical works what leaves her cold is at once suspect in my eyes yes i have grown better serener one can't be near her see her and remain the man one was what will come of all this you ask i really believe nothing i shall pass my time very delightfully till september and then go away life will seem dark and dreary to me for the first months i shall get used to it i know how full of danger is any tie whatever between a man and a young woman how imperceptibly one feeling passes into another i should have had the strength to break it off if i had not been sure that we were both perfectly undisturbed it is true one day something queer passed between us i don't know how or from what i remember we had been reading onegin i kissed her hand she turned a little away bent her eyes upon me i have never seen such a look except in her there is dreaminess and intent attention in it and a sort of sternness suddenly flushed got up and went away i did not succeed in being alone with her that day she avoided me and for four mortal hours she played cards with her husband the nurse and the governess next morning she proposed a walk in the garden to me we walked all through it down to the lake suddenly without turning towards me she softly whispered please don't do that again and instantly began telling me about something else i was very much ashamed i must admit that her image is never out of my mind and indeed i may almost say i have begun writing a letter to you with the object of having a reason for thinking and talking about her i hear the tramp and neighing of horses it's my carriage being got ready i am going to see them my coachman has given up asking me where to drive to when i get into my carriage he takes me straight off to the Primkovs. A mile and a half from their village, at an abrupt turn in the road, their house suddenly peeps out from behind a birch copse. Each time I feel a thrill of joy in my heart directly I catch the glimmer of its windows in the distance. Schimmel, the harmless old man, comes to see them from time to time. The princes H, thank God, have only called once. Schimmel, with the modest solemnity characteristic of him, said very aptly, pointing to the house where Vera lives, That is the abode of peace. In that house dwells an angel of peace. Cover me with thy wing, still the throbbing of my heart, and grateful will be the shade to the enraptured soul. But enough of this. 
or you'll be fancying all sorts of things. Till next time. What shall I write to you next time, I wonder? Good-bye. By the way, she never says good-bye, but always, so, good-bye. I like that tremendously. Yours, P.B. P.S. I can't recall whether I told you that she knows I wanted to marry her. End of section 15